It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Thanks for being with us. I'm Paul Dottino at Giants WFAN. He is at Jeff Fiegels at Jay Fiegels on Twitter. And we'll be here for the next hour to talk Giants football as well as other NFL issues. Our phone number is 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. You can also hit us up on Twitter at those handles. There's also hashtag Giants chat if you're looking for a keyword to try to reach us. And you'll always be able to find an archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere at Giants.com slash podcasts. Jeff, it's been a while since we've mm. talked. Last week was I a know. lot of combine stuff, so it's actually eight days Woo. since our last show together. <laughs> I know. Boy, it went by fast, too. Um a lot of stuff going on over there in Indianapolis this week, and it's good to be back and talking to you, Paul, and to everybody else. So, got an exciting show ahead of us, I'm sure, and yeah, lots going on from uh, everybody getting back from Indianapolis, and I'm sure a lot of us got to, at least I did, catch a lot of the, the combine on TV this weekend. I love it, by the way. Um, I think it's great. Me too. I actually like it. Uh, I know that John doesn't like it because they have... Uh, the evenings is when they do all of the workouts and stuff and i feel like for me personally just selfishly i've got so much going on during the day that i kind of like it at nighttime because i don't want to miss it during the day so it's been good <laughs> but i really I've got, got a no, kick out I've of got it. no problem with that it, it was a little different obviously this year i had to watch it on tv as opposed mm-hmm. to being out there and how did you like that you know what it's what i missed was the nfl gossip yeah, that I, I think a lot of people to, enjoy you know, that. Yeah. There used to be a lot of NFL gossip, and I got a lot of great information from fellow NFL reporters and scouts and coaches while I attended. So that much, that stuff I missed, and I also missed not having the chance to have in-person contact and interviews with the prospects. There's no mm. doubt. That is stuff that I wish that I had. But on the flip side, I was able to pay much more attention to the actual drills and the testing that NFL Network did. I mean, they were phenomenal. They showed practically everything. Yeah, you're except, right up close. Oh, yeah. except for these guys getting like, uh, you know, their actual physicals themselves. Yeah. Yeah. NFL Network practically showed everything else. Mm-hmm. And so from an eyewitness perspective of the, the tests and drills, I think I was much better off being back here in Jersey than I would have been in Indianapolis. And even John said, you know, as one person trying to run around like a chicken without a head to cover everything, it's it's very, very difficult. You can't really do the job complete justice as one person. So that was my take on it. But was there anything overall after the, the week was over that you kind of thought to yourself? Sure. I had said to John yesterday that I was convinced – that by the time the Giants pick at five, that Hutchinson, Thibodeau, Neal, and Iquanu will all be gone in the first four picks. He said he got the opinion from talking to people out in Indianapolis that Thibodeau will be there, but the other three will be gone by five. Yeah, it's hard to say. Um, but I will tell you my takeaway from the combine this week is one word. And it starts with an S and it ends with a D. Speed. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. Wowza. Uh, it's, it's, you know how they, everybody's talks about the NFL and even college level and even high school. Bigger, stronger, faster. Bigger, stronger, faster. Bigger, stronger, faster. That's exactly what you're seeing in today's game with these young guys coming out of college. It is ridiculous. Um, you know, I think when you see guys that weigh over 300 pounds and are running sub 540s, that's just come on. I mean, it's just and then some of the lateral, you know, some of the cone drills, some of these guys that are running these cone drills, uh, just their their speed in that way. So that was the that was the takeaway for me that was the biggest of all was that how fast these guys were. Um, 
the other thing is is that man, I'll tell you that cornerback position. Did you see the size of some of those dudes? I mean, they're almost like you know some of them could drop by like like Kyle Hamilton, for instance. You know, he's a safety, but he's six foot four. Um, he obviously didn't run well. He was all over the place on his forty, but mm-hmm. you know he you know he's gonna he's, he'll track to a really really high pick. But you know, will he still be a safety? I mean, maybe somebody takes him and can, this is it's almost like Isaiah Simmons. Remember we talked about him. Where are you going to put him? Safety linebacker. What are you going to do yeah. with this guy? Kyle Hamilton, I feel like, is one of those guys who could play outside linebacker. Um, and <clears throat> you know, going forward, who knows? But that that wide, excuse me, the cornerback position. Boy, those guys are agile. And but <laughs> it never, something, that, Paul. You're going to laugh at this, and you just, you know it's the truth. Something that never changes. Is those cornerbacks? They cannot catch. <laughs> I'm telling you what, it is just—it's so funny because I was sitting here watching. Uh, my wife was she's she's totally into the combine too. She loves it too, and we're just we were all watching it together. And I and I said to all of them, I said, you know, really, guys, the cornerback position is—they're just wide receivers that can't catch. And I said, watch how many of these guys when they're in these these tracking drills and finding the, finding the football, how they just don't have very good hands. And then, sure enough, that's what happened. And then also, the defensive linemen, the edge rushers, those guys don't have any hands either. They just, they just, they just like to rip quarterbacks' heads off. But um, just a lot of speed. I think that, you know, that top 10, I think depending, Paul, on which teams are going to want those quarterbacks, I think there's two of them, Malik uh, Willis, and then um, the other guy from, uh, what's his, I'm sorry, I'm missing my. I mean, pick it. Pickett, excuse me. Uh, you know, those two guys, are, you know, who wants to come up and get those? Is it the Lions? Um, you know, so I, I don't know what's going to happen there. Um, and I think that certainly if those quarterbacks move up into the draft, into the higher higher picks, you know, then there's some guys might be able to drop down to the, to the Giants at 5 and 7. Regardless, I think you'll agree with me, at 5 and 7, if they sit on those picks and they don't move any of them, the Giants are in some really good shape to get some outstanding football players. Really? Well, you, you have to believe that they'll have conviction there. And as I've always said, if you have conviction, just pick the guy. Don't mm-hmm. fuss around and move down. Okay? If well, you don't have a strong conviction, then go ahead. Yeah. Move, move down a few spots if you really feel the need to do so. But if, if you really like a guy that much, you just take him. You, you don't mess around with this. Well, now, let me ask you a question, Paul. Yeah. Uh, depending on what's going to happen here with the salary cap, and and obviously you saw uh, we were not around last week to talk about this, but Kyle Rudolph got released. Um, you know, the, the purge has started. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's... Devontae Booker, too. And Booker, too, which was a little bit surprising to me, but it kind of puts more of a... paints a picture of, about Saquon now. I mean, um, but, you know, when you look at Bradbury um, and him possibly being traded or a flat out release the June 1st, you know, that's going to fill, that's going to have a void at that cornerback position. And I, I would like to get your take on Ahmad sauce Gardner, because there's a chance that this guy might be there at five for the giants at six foot three and one ninety. ran a four, four, uh, outstanding football player at, at Cincinnati. Didn't give up a touchdown his whole career. Could be a guy that you slot in there for Bradbury. If he leaves. Oh, I don't think that there's any doubt he would merit consideration. I'm I'm still not 100% sure what they're going to do with Bradbury. I talked to a capologist who said to me, it is not impossible for them to redo a deal with him to the point where it won't necessarily be that bad in terms of kicking the can down the road. Well, you and know they he, don't want to do that. They don't want to. And th- this is why w- what I was told is that there is a, a number equation that would work for Bradbury, and I'm not going to get into it here because it would be inappropriate for me to do so, but that there is a number that if Wink Martindale went to Shane and said, look, I really like this guy, and he could be very important in my system, and I think he's got a lot of good football left, and I really would like to see you try to hold on to him, I've been told there is an economic way that will not be very painful to where they would still be able to redo his deal and keep him lowering his number and not crippling them down the road. Now, well, the big thing is lowering his number. And yeah, whether now, he's going to want to do that or not is a different story. Now, it, it may not be very probable, but I am told that it is possible. 
So yeah. it right. is not automatic that Bradbury is getting traded or cut. There is a path to keep him if they want. So I need to get that out there because I think it's been assumed by almost everybody out in the public space that he's not going to be a giant. Well, maybe it's not likely, but there is a path to do it if they so decide. And you and I have no idea what they're thinking about upstairs. We don't. Nope. Now, having said that, Sauce Gardner is certainly a viable guy that you would want to think about given the potential hole that they would have unless potentially, again, this all comes into play, who's going to replace him, okay, if he's gone? Is it, could it possibly be Aaron Robinson, who Maybe. this who this team really loves? And by the way, he's over 6'2", and he, is, he qualifies as a very tall coverage corner. Could it or, be him? Or, or, like you said, if there is that possibility of them restructuring and doing something with Bradbury, that you could have your other cornerback right here with Sauce Gardner. Then you've got two corners that are good size and pretty darn good, you know? So, yeah, except that Dory Jackson is, is already on the other side, so well, I don't I mean, think that's going to Oh, that's change. right. I forgot about him. Yeah, that's not going to change. Dory oh, Jackson is, is – because of his the way his deal is constructed, mm-hmm. he's not going anywhere. Yeah. He's here. Okay. So the question becomes who plays opposite of Dory Jackson? Um, you know, I think it's risky to think that Aaron Robinson would be the guy – do they know something about him that maybe we don't and maybe they project him there and they would potentially go for the corner later on mm-hmm. and maybe at five or seven they're more interested in two offensive linemen or they're interested in a pass rusher and an offensive lineman and say, look, there are so many corners in this draft. This is another good draft for corners. And here's the difference, Jeff, and this is why I bring it up to you. There have been years in the past and mostly in the last – four or five, it seemed like the draft was full of slot corners. Not this year. Yeah. This year, there are more border corners. Mm-hmm. And that plays better into the Giants' hands given what may happen to Bradbury. Yeah. Well, I, I think that the philosophy that we've talked about in the past about the best player available to me, I just don't know where this new organization is going to go and if they're going to pick because of need, um, scheme. I think a lot of that has to do with it. Um, but regardless, I, I believe that whatever players are still in this top 10, they're still going to be able to get the the best player available and also fill a need. You know what I'm saying? Like I feel like the, the guys that are there – are the positions that the Giants could use. Yeah, I like to say value meets need at where the Giants will pick. That's a good, yeah, good analogy. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not afraid of, of the picks. Um, again, I after seeing what I did see in this year's combine, the value is there throughout the, the picks. I feel like still you can get some good quality players because you know what happens when you have a, a position that is very thick, it gets pushed down, so you can still get some good players within maybe in the second or third rounds, whether that's some lineman or a receiver. I always feel like you can get a receiver um, throughout the draft, um, especially you know the the high ones. Obviously, are their skill set is extremely a lot better than the ones that are drafted a little bit later. But my point is that they're they're all there. You can still get those guys. But look at some of those defensive linemen. Look at the kid from Georgia. Uh, jeez, <laughs> come on, Paul. Are you are you kidding me? The guy is six foot seven. I mean, uh, Jordan, uh, Jordan Davis is what uh, you might call a load. Uh, no, okay. Well, well, first of all, before the combine, okay, watching him play in that national championship game, loved him. He played his. Bought off. Loved him. I could not keep my eyes off of that guy because he was everywhere. He is obviously a major run stopper. We know that. Um, with the ability to get after the pre- to the to get after the passer, you know, and a cover two defense. This guy is really good uh, for that type of a defense. And 
I mean, I enjoyed watching him. And then I didn't have any idea how good he really was until I saw him in the underwear Olympics this weekend. <laughs> yeah, but see, the, the thing about him, though, uh, Jeff, he, he's going to be a late first rounder. You're not talking about him at five. No, no, so. no, I'm not. I, I'm not. Absolutely. I'm, I'm just, I was, no, and that's not what I was portraying. Okay. I was just basically, I was just, I started off by saying, give me a break. The guy's six foot seven. And he's 300 something pounds and he's running. <laughs> I mean, that's just a freak. And he so, can hurt you is what he can oh, do. Oh, my goodness. So I, somebody's going to get some, you know, but my point is, is that maybe the Giants, if they, if they are going to move. Uh, down in the draft and, you know, in the 20s or somehow. I don't know. I doubt they're going to go from the 5 to the 20 unless they get something. They get a boatload of picks or something. But but whoever's going to get him is going to – they're going to get a great player. But my point, I guess, back to the, is with this draft is that it's very deep. I feel like the athleticism and the players are really good this year in this, this year's draft. I think a lot of teams are excited about – you know what's going to show up on on draft day at their pick no, at the number that they're going for. They're going to be able to get some good players, especially in those first three rounds, is which is important to me. Final now I know thought. for you, I, I know for you in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh rounds, those guys are you know those are those are backup guys. You want to try to find some value in some of those picks, and maybe you know you find a Tom Brady in there, or you find somebody in a fifth round that can you know move up in your roster and and start for you. But I certainly think you got a chance this year because it's pretty darn good. These players. Well, I mean, look, look at what happened two years ago. Tate Crowder was Mr. Irrelevant. Sure. Final final pick in the draft, yeah. and how many snaps has he played? Right. <laughs> okay? So I don't consider those throwaway picks. Yeah. I just well, don't. And uh, listen, I, I think that, you know, when you talk about uh, smaller schools, man, I'll tell you, there was a lot of a lot of these guys that from these smaller schools, they balled out at the Combine. I mean, they really, really, all of a sudden, yeah, they, they had some, some good – good times and some good workouts and that that's good for them because they those are the type of guys that we talked about that are going to show up to the combine no matter what they are definitely going to uh be there and do what they can there's some guys that didn't participate obviously but though the younger guys are not the younger the the guys from the lower schools that's a great opportunity and, and a lot of them made the best of it all right, one thing before we get to the phones at 201-939-4513. Our lines are open, 201-939-4513. I did want to mention somebody we did not mention yesterday, and that was Baylor cornerback Kalen Barnes, who ran a 4-2-3 in the 40, which is the second best ever in the combine to the 4-2-2 by wide receiver John Ross, drafted by Cincinnati, currently with the Giants, or he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. But 4-2-3. I can only imagine, and I didn't see the the post-race interview with him, but I can only imagine how he must have felt knowing that he was .01 behind tying the record. I know, right? .01. Like, seriously? I mean, (laughs) does that mean like if if he bent a little more forward and his nose had clicked it, that much sooner he would have had the record. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> really? <laughs> well, hey, listen. I mean, I, I, that's okay. I mean, you want the record, you really do. But you're right there. Your point. What is a zero zero one? Was it zero point, point zero? zero one? Oh my goodness! Behind the record. Yeah. Yeah, that's. Uh... <laughs> It's pretty darn fast. I, I feel like smokes. I feel like some days there's gonna be there's gonna be somebody in uh, what was it four two what four two four two two was John yeah, Ross's record. And be to be four. honest, when, when I was in the office yesterday, I was almost kind of I, I know that you know Ross isn't around, but I, I almost wanted to like ask him, <laughs> how did you feel finding out that you know this guy was like literally in your shadow? I mean, but he didn't break it, didn't even tie yeah. it. So that what was, was his name cool. again, Paul. What was his name again? Uh, Kalen Barnes. Kalen Barnes, okay. Yeah, he's out of Baylor. Okay. He's a, a tad under six feet and um, came in at 4-2-3. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. <laughs> Somebody's going to be 4-1 sooner or later. So we're going to Oh, uh, you think so? Yeah. yeah. Man. 4-1 something. 4-1-9. And, and then, of course, we should all just remind people that's in shorts and T-shirts. Play speed yeah. is always more important than well, 40 speed. That, What's the just, fastest a punter ever ran, Jeff? I don't know, <laughs> but it doesn't matter. Like, for instance, I, I don't know why. I guess maybe in some of these, uh, you know, zone blitz defenses. and but they ha- Why do they have the defensive linemen running like in a back pedal? 
and then them throwing the football to him like 30 yards down the field. What the hell is that? Right? Did you see that? I'm sitting there going, what in God's name are they doing here? Hey, g- give them credit, though. In the last four years, they've actually changed up a bunch of the drills. Well, that, right? well they missed on that one, okay? Because I can't tell you any time that I've ever seen a defensive lineman drop back in coverage for 20 yards and try to intercept a pass. I got you. I got you. But, right. I, but I was also I was, I was saying to – I was saying to – I remember who was watching it with me. I said, listen, this is not a relative. This, is, this doesn't happen. The whole purpose of this drill is to see the athleticism and, and just kind of how Correct. reaction. Correct. So put it that way, it, it does make sense. But the other way, it doesn't make sense. So, But who right. are we? And by the way, as we get to our calls at 201-939-4513, I see the lights are now lighting up, so that's good news. And we will get to you in just literally another second and a half. I just want to make note that it was Jeff who earlier said his wife sat with him and mm-hmm. watched the combine, mm-hmm. which means she is a saint of all saints. <laughs> hey, listen. Okay? Now, come on. You know, my wife was – we've been married over 30 years, so she has been with me the whole my whole football career. Uh, so she's diehard. She is, you know, she's drank the Kool-Aid the whole time. So that is she, awesome. she enjoys it. Yeah, she really does. It's actually <laughs> funny. In fact, I was out. I can't remember what it was. It was, uh, I went out, might have been, I don't remember what it was, but Michelle was at home, my wife, and she. I came home, and she was sitting on the couch watching the combine. <laughs> she is my hero. <laughs> <laughs> she loves it. She does. It's it's. But you know, it's addicting. You know, I mean, I I couldn't take my eyes off of it. You know, and it's, I got it on all the TVs in the in the in the house. That's in the. I got one in the kitchen and one in the family room. <laughs> it's like the, it's all over the place because it is entertaining. And, all right, uh, my man. Let, let's go to the phones. Uh, and Rick from Line One, uh, you are in Tampa, and your first other program. Hello. That right. is true. How you guys doing? Good. I'm in Tampa. Yep, How are you guys? Good. Right. How are you? How you doing there, Rick? We're glad to hear from you. I'm doing uh, – yeah, nice to talk to you, Paul. Maybe the uh, Knicks will be going a little run. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, don't uh, count on it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, I have a couple of uh, points to make. And one, first, let me just ask, Blake Martinez, he's, he's good to go for next season. There, he's, he's fully healthy, right? He's coming he's back. He's getting 100%. there. He's getting there. I've seen him oh, – uh, I've seen him working out. I've been down there when Paul and I are occasionally in the building and stuff. But I've seen him been working out hard, and yeah, so um, he's 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 on track. I'm, I mean, officially, okay, I don't know, but I've just I, I think that he's doing well. Okay, okay, good. I have a, a couple points to, to make uh, regarding. First of all, this whole farce that was presented and uh, it was all over FAN last week, and and I know you guys. I don't think you really talked about it too much, but the idea that the Giants would even entertain taking like Malik Willis with one of their five or seven drafts, which I think would be a, uh, a travesty that the team should be uh, basically stopped for if that was the case. Uh, you didn't see anything like that that you would – Paul, I know you would it would never do that, right? That wouldn't – I wouldn't do it. That thought. It, it no, would not right? make any sense to me at all. Yeah, whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, because no they were talking about that with legis- le- legitimate people saying that Giants should do that. I'm like, no way. I mean that would just be crazy. So I, now, now having said that, that, Rick, to be to be totally in full disclosure here, it wasn't until approximately 24 hours before the draft that I was then informed they were serious about taking Daniel Jones. I did not think they were going to take a quarterback in that draft. I thought I was going to ride. I would like to see them ride with Eli for another year or two, and I, and then literally like. Early that morning of the first round, I got I got some you know very early in, in the morning I got some intel that indeed there was serious thought about taking Daniel Jones. I thought it was going to be down at seventeen. I did not think it was going to be at six, and then oh, subsequently yeah. after they took him at six, I found out that there were at least two teams, actually maybe even three, that were definitely going to take Jones before the Giants picked at seventeen. So they felt they had to pick him at six. Whether or not they wanted to, they had to. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Because that was, uh, yeah, that was a conversation that I thought, if anything, they wanted to talk up Malik Willis to maybe lure a team to come down and maybe try to get him, which would help the Giants with their pick. Okay. That's that. 
yeah, I don't think anybody's John... dumb enough to take either of these quarterbacks in the top yeah. ten myself. But I know, you know right? how that goes. I know, right? I think it's going to happen, though. I think it's going to happen. Yeah, it could. But running around in the in the underwear in the combine is ridiculous. How they could just try to raise a quarterback up to that status when we all knew that no none of them are top ten in this draft. So, all right, I agree with that, John. I think it was John yesterday made a comment about um, the Giants. Uh, would would he trade uh, our five and seven with per se the Eagles for their three picks, fifteen, sixteen, and nineteen, and. Um, I I agree with it. I I would do that in a heartbeat. It would give us almost four picks in the first round because we pick in the first two picks of the second round. Uh, 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 your thoughts on that, or if that was something he made up, or is that something that the Eagles would possibly do? Because I, with the depth of this draft and where we need it, I I would be uh, all on board with that as well. So that's my first question. And my second one is, and going back to Jeff, you just said about the whole I have need the need versus best player. When does uh, when does the, the Giants or any team per se like right now we have Andrew Thomas as our left tackle, if we're dra- drafting fifth and we're drafting a lineman, why aren't we or do we or shouldn't we draft the best player at the position we need? Not left tackle. We have a left tackle. I'm talking a guard if we need a guard or a right tackle. Why do we try to or teams draft players that I know you could change their footwork uh, and they can change positions and stuff but what happened to just drafting a player who's played three years at right guard we need a right guard who's the best right guard to take because I think I know it's maybe a, you're leaning on your left foot versus you're putting your left hand down but there has to be said something about playing a position that you've always played and I know you need to be durable, uh, you know, versatile and stuff but do you know what I mean by that I mean Paul, sure. what do you think of that? Uh, and those two, those are my two questions. Uh, I'll let, I'll let, uh, I'll let. Uh, which one do you want, Jeff? Which one of the two? Well, uh, well, what, give me the give me the Eagles draft picks again. The first rounders. What were the numbers? The the draft picks that the Eagles have in round one are fifteen, sixteen, and nineteen. And a caller called up yesterday yeah, and said, you. Okay. "Would you be willing to trade one of your you know five or sevens?" to go down and get those three from Philadelphia. I mockingly laughed and said, I'd rather eat green eggs than, and ham than well, trade, with the, trade with the Eagles. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. exactly. But well, let me but ask your question here. We, we all did agree, though, that you trade with anybody if you can make your team better. Yeah, well, let me ask you a question. What yeah. if it wasn't the Eagles and that you had the offer to do that? Um, I you know, I, I well. So you're going to get. So in other words, they're going to take your five or your. You're no, we're not swapping five and seven for the fifteen, sixteen, and nineteen. We're taking right or what are we doing? Well, here? fifteen, sixteen. I, I personally, I kind of tuned out the comment when the when the caller came on and said it because I thought the whole idea was ridiculous. Uh, but you're talking about roughly uh, three thousand points, okay, on the on the draft chart. Mm-hmm. So what you would have to get, to be honest, if you made that deal, you'd have to give up your five and your seven, get their fifteen, sixteen, um, get their their fifteen, sixteen, and nineteen back, okay, and then in addition to that, you'd have to get their second rounder. Mm. If you, if you were to make that work on the draft chart, and I, you know, and even then, you would probably ask them to, to throw in an, another pick. Probably I, like a third. Yeah, I can't. I can't at this juncture with a new. There's no regime, way I'm doing it. Yeah, I, I, no I'm way. not going to do that. I, I got to keep one of my top ten picks. Um, I'm. I've told this. I've said this before. I'm not. I'm not all that. I, I wouldn't trade my fifth round, or excuse me, my fifth pick. But I would trade the seven going down a few spots, but not down to fifteen. No way. I've got to keep within you know three or four picks. Um, I would like to stay in the top 10 so that I have the two. Ten. Because, listen, I, this team needs a lot of work. And this new regime, I don't know how they're going to do this, but they need quality players. I know that from what I said earlier in the show today, the, the Giants or any teamers can still get some good picks in the top 20 in this draft. Um, but I would, I'm with you. I, I feel like you got to get more. You know, i got to get a second. got to get another third. got to get something. And I'm all for stockpiling those picks as Joe Shane at bats. I got to get some swings. Um, I'm okay with that, but I want to make sure to me, 
Paul, I, I, I'm going in with that fifth pick knowing that this is the player that I want. Okay, and can I get him? And if he's there, I'm taking him. If if and I have I have a few of those guys, um, and I'm going to be able to get one or one or the others, right? They're not. I mean, because it's the fifth pick, I'm still going to have my pick of the litter. But the seventh pick, I can I, I can go down. I've told you this. I'll go down a little bit, mm-hmm. but not too far. That's fine. Now, mm-hmm. in answer to the other question, well, Harry Carson was a defensive tackle in college, and when they drafted him. Uh, Marty Schottenheimer was a Giants linebackers coach, and he said to the Giants, uh, give, them to him, give them to me. I'm going to make him a middle linebacker. Mm-hmm. So I understand the caller's preference. Rick was saying, don't you want to draft a guy who plays the position in college that you want to play him at in the NFL? Sure, that's great. And in, in a lot of ways, that makes a lot of sense. But, you know, if you have good coaches – and you have really good football players who have football acumen and have a tremendous amount of talent and ability, you don't have to have them play the same position that you're going to put them at. But what you better do is have a very strong, solid idea of what you're going to do with that guy when you get him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I guess that, you know, he was asking us, though, why can't you draft the player that you need for your position? Um I think the answer to that is that, you know, the value you're going to get with another player, he could be so much better than that guard or whatever, right? I mean, I, I, you see what I'm saying? Like, so it's just all about ranking these players. And, and you know, there's a defensive edge rusher that's much better than a right guard. Uh, and, I, and I feel like you look at the impact that those players will have on your team, the edge rusher will definitely have a bigger impact than your right guard. I guess that's which the way you look at it. All right, 201-939-4513. I think we answered his questions. Yeah, we, we did our line, best we could. We go to line two. Greg <laughs> from Atlanta, you're next on the show. Hello. Hi, Greg. Hey, hey, how you doing, Paul? How you doing, Jeff? Good. Hello, Good. hello, hello. All right, all right. I'm calling just for a couple of reasons. Um, one is the quarterback that I was just talking about um, from Liberty. Malik. Um, Malik. Willis. Yeah. Yep. Some people say they wouldn't take him, and but I'm 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 just always curious about when a team has a has a quarterback. The quarterback has not lived up to the potential of the team, such as Daniel Jones. And I know we, you know, our general manager said we kind of screwed the kid up, but the thing is, we're trying to fix it. But I always, in my mind, it's a good thing to get another quarterback that you don't have to pay top dollar because you drafted him, he's a rookie, and create the comp because there's no doubt that we need another quarterback. And and I I don't like the performance of the veterans that I see in the league, that the backup quarterback. There's only like two or three that you probably can safely get and say you got a good backup. All the rest of them, are, like y'all say all the time, they're backups for a reason. And so I'm thinking – why not get the Malik kid, let him compete with Daniel Jones, and for the interest of the team, you put the best player out there, which should be Daniel Jones this year, but you've got your next quarterback, and he, uh, and if he's good, he's, he's trade capital. So you're not losing if you go quarterback when you're not sure of the quarterback that you have, is what I'm all trying to say. And secondly, and the only other thing is I wanted to make mention of, and I you know, listen off air after this, unless some other callers call. But there's a guy that um, played for the Gamecocks, and he's a cornerback. His name is Darius Rush, and he's a, like, I think he's a fifth-year senior. And he's about 6'2", and he, and I kind of know the backdrop on his story, and I feel like he may get overlooked in this draft if he tries to apply for the draft. But I think a lot of teams will lose out, if, and whoever gets them will be a gem, because I know the backdrop of his story. I know he's a, how you know his work ethic and how hard he works, and how determined he is to make it to the NFL. And I really feel like he's a late round corner that someone can get, and they're gonna be so happy they got this guy. But thank you for letting me make those comments, Darius Rush from the Gamecocks, and I'll listen to you guys off air. Have a great day. I love the show too. I love it. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Well, uh, I, I, 
I don't know. Every, you know, everybody has their players. Everybody falls in love with people. You know, there's nothing. I, I was going to ask him before we hang up. Uh, what was the relationship? <laughs> we're talking about a, we're talking about a second cousin or a nephew. Um, I, I don't. I don't believe he's actually in the draft. Hmm. Uh, I can look it up. No, I, I, I'm, I, I don't remember seeing his name on anybody's list. So <laughs> I, I don't know that he's in this year's draft. And if, and if he is, I apologize. But I believe he's going to be in next year's draft in 2023. Well, maybe that's what he was talking about. Okay. In any event, uh, <laughs> and going back, going back to the quarterback situation, uh, you know, I, I think we all agree that the Giants would be well advised to bring a veteran quarterback in here. And I described it this way to somebody the other day who asked me that would like, well, you know, what kind of guy would you bring in? And I said, I would bring in a guy who would nudge Daniel Jones. I would not bring in a guy to compete with Daniel Jones because that's counterproductive. This organization has already committed up and down that they are going to give Daniel Jones every opportunity to flourish this year. So why would you mess with this kid's head by bringing in another uh, another full-time starter-type guy? First of all, you don't have the money to do it. Okay, let's make that very clear. The Giants, even after whatever they do bloodletting-wise with the cap, they're not going to have 10, 12, 16. I, I, in fact, it's been said that – let me give you Mitch Trubisky as an example. And it's laughable that there's media out there actually pushing the Mitch Trubisky storyline. It was just said by Mike Tannenbaum the other day, yesterday as a matter of fact, on ESPN – Trubisky's reported to going to get a one-year, $16 million deal to go somewhere where he's going to have a legit chance to start. So I ask you a couple of questions, Jeff. Mm. One, how can the Giants possibly afford $16 million no. to bring in a backup quarterback? No, they can't. Of course they can't, and they're not going to. Number two, why would Mitch Trubisky come here if the organization has already said they're committed to doing everything possible to allow Daniel Jones to succeed? That doesn't sound like it's a very large opening to me. And there are at least 10 other teams in this league that are desperate for a starting quarterback right now that are willing to let a guy compete for the job, not like the Giants, where they're telling you it's Jones's job because we believe in him. So that makes no sense from Trubisky's perspective. So let's like use some common sense and logic before we start believing crap that's being written that Trubisky is going to be targeted for the Giants. That makes no sense. Anybody who's telling you that is getting crap from the agent who's trying to drum up some, some interest and competition for the bidding war that his client may be able to get from some teams who badly need a quarterback. Trubisky, one year, 16 mil. He's not coming to the Giants. Get it out of your heads, folks. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to, well, first of all, I'm going to agree with you that he's not coming to the Giants because there's no way that the Giants can afford to pay a backup quarterback. Even in, I mean, if you're going to, obviously what happened last year, they can't have happen again this year. So you're going to need a backup quarterback. Sure. And so, uh, how you're going to get that guy, I don't know what you're going to end up having to pay him. But, you know, you're going to have to pay a, a good backup quarterback three to five million bucks. You got to. Okay. Um, that's a far cry from 16. Well, I was just going to say that's not going to get <laughs> that's a third of what this other guy. And by the way, I think it's ludicrous that somebody's going to go pay him when he's not even a starter. I mean, I mean, he, he lost his job. So, I mean, this. Okay, anyways, and the second thing is I'm going to disagree with you just from the standpoint of competition. I, I want to see competition in camp. I want to see somebody push Daniel Jones because I also believe that that will tell me a little bit more about Daniel Jones moving forward. So whether it's going to be, uh, again, even when we talk about some of the bigger name backup quarterbacks, Paul, these guys, the Giants aren't going to be able to afford those. Even a kid, even Andy Dalton is going to cost you seven to ten million. Um, they just can't do it. So I don't know who they're going to be able. They're going to have to go out and find. So, uh, but I, I do, I do, and I, I feel like uh, Brian Dable 
and I think that uh, Joe Shane and when the way they construct this roster, that there will be competition at every position, which is good for the cause um, because that does bring out the best in everybody. But you can't afford to go and get a guy and pay him $7 million, uh, to, con- you know, I mean, if you want him to compete with Daniel Jones, that's great. But if you had all that money, you could do that. But you can't. So what, what's your expectations there, Paul? You're, you're not going to find somebody that's going to be, you know, an experienced, experienced backup quarterback. Well, I, I'll give you some guys, and I'm not yeah. saying they're connected well, to the Giants, but yeah, I'll give you a few uh, names, okay? okay? Yeah. A few names of guys who will come in at somewhere in, that, in, in the, the, the lesser expensive area. And I don't think these guys can compete with Jones, but I think they can nudge him. And I'm for the nudge as opposed to the flat-out compete. But we're talking about maybe guys who made money last year. Uh, Jacoby Brissett made $5 million last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marcus Mariota made $3.5 million last year. Okay? Blaine Gabbert made $2 million last oh, year. God, please don't bring. Well, the, these are the kinds <laughs> of guys, though, who are in the salary ballpark of what you're saying. No, I get Cause, it. Because you're not you're not good, you're not giving ten, twelve, sixteen million to this position. The Giants can't budget that much money for the backup quarterback. But and here's if, the and, thing. And if the number's going to be capped at, what do you want to cap it at? You want to give the backup quarterback as much as five, three, three and a three, half, four, three and a half. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen. I I think that you know. I know that people are are gonna they're they're gonna choke when I tell you this, but Tyrod Taylor made five point five last year. All right. I, you think Tyrod ta- Taylor can come in at three five for you? I would take him at three five. I would you know? put him on this team in a second. But you know, again, I'm going to put a name out there, and you're, he's he's already on the team, and the and he's with he was with the Bills. Okay, oh, Davis Webb. Yeah, but, who hasn't thrown a pass in the <laughs> NFL regular so season it does, game? It, it doesn't go along with what I just said. If yeah, does, get, he, does he qualify? <laughs> does he yeah. qualify as an experienced veteran? No. because he's never thrown a pass in the no, league before. He doesn't. He does not. So and by the way, you, you you could certainly find yourself in the same situation as you did in 2021. Then all of a sudden, Daniel Jones goes out, and your backup quarterback comes in, and next thing you know, he's never thrown a pass in a regular season game, and now you're just you're, you're where you were before. Uh, and this is how the cap can affect everything, right? So Sure. Um, but, again, I feel like if the money was available, Paul, I feel like the Giants would go out and get one of those guys that we talked about. You know, the, the Marcus Mariota um, and someone and go pay him five, six million to come in here and compete with Daniel Jones. Okay, but that's not the case. No, I know. It's not you know, the case. And, it's all, and, it's and, hypothetical. And that, right. And I think that's what people have to understand is that they've got enough trouble getting under the cap as it is, trying to fill holes that they have at starting positions even. I, I just – I'm with you, Jeff. I think the, the backup quarterback spot is probably not going to come in much higher, if at all, more than $3.5 million for the year. And if they can find one, I mean, well, I guess I guess it all depends. I just gave on you those. some guys who well, might be in that vicinity. Yeah, but I, and it depends on you know what other teams um, look at those guys too and put a value on those guys. You know, so maybe let, I'm just throwing out maybe okay. It doesn't matter. Like the Vikings, okay? The Vikings need a backup quarterback. They they're looking for Tyrod Taylor, and they they can their cap situation. They can afford to pay him five million. Well, he's there. You go. He's gone. Sure. Okay. Sure. So um, anyway, the bottom line it's is slim pickings. That's uh, yeah. For sure. I, I just I just wish people would use more common sense than to believe the crap that that people write without even thinking about the potential reasons why it makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. It just doesn't. Uh, 201-939-4513 here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. We go to Corey in Phoenix. You're next on the show. Hello. Hey, how are you guys doing today? Good to talk Good. to you. How are you? Good. Um, so, obviously a very disappointing past season. Not much reason to get into it. But uh, the one thing I, I, I was calling around this time last year, talking about hoping for... 12, 13 wins and maybe a playoff win, but obviously got pretty much the opposite. They lost both 13 games, but for 13, I mean. But uh, one thing I was right about was how good I believed in Xavier McKinney and Andrew Thomas were. 
And um, that's good. But anyway, so, so going back to all these people saying we should trade Saquon or James Bradbury, not as much Saquon, but I'm hearing a lot of the James Bradbury one. I don't want to do it. I want to retain the team. And I want to also, I think we should tag and bring back Ingram. Like, probably not something I would have said last year or the year before. I probably would have said we should have traded him and cut him or something. Before you go any further, uh, the tag uh, has to be applied by 4 p.m. New York time today in order for you to uh, to be able to slap that on a player. And actually, we, we were yeah. remiss. We didn't mention the list of tagged players thus far today. Tight ends, Tight ends who have been tagged, <laughs> though, were Dalton Schultz of the Cowboys and David Njoku uh, from the Browns as well as Mike Kosicki uh, from the Dolphins. Three tight ends were tagged out of the uh, five tags that were placed in the last couple of days, mm-hmm. and and the the tight end tag is nearly eleven million for one year. Yeah, but I mean, I feel like just if we were to just negotiate a regular contract, he'd probably ask for more than that, and he'd probably be able to. Wouldn't he be able to get more than eleven million per year on the open market? I don't believe he would. And that's simply yeah. my opinion. I don't think he would be able to. And I, and I remind you, this is a very deep tight end draft. Yeah, there's that. But I, I just don't want to take away from an offense that was already like after week five, we averaged like 14 points per game. Like literally, our only two good offensive performances were we showed up where week two against Washington and week four against New Orleans where you saw what this offense could be the offense gave enough good time for Daniel Jones to throw. Which brings me to, I think we should be aggressive in the draft. I just did a, the PFF mock draft simulator, and um, I actually I traded up with uh, 5 and 7 to 2 and 3 to get Evan Neal and Aquanu. Whoa, and I what did you have to give up for five. that? <laughs> you went so, up 2? I didn't a lot of resources, a two and or two and three uh, next year, and both are third rounders. And all I have was a four and the two fives after uh, you know, the Nikolani. But I think it's worth it because I think they're two blue chip offensive linemen that'll be decade long starters, potential all pros. And I think with those two and Andrew Thomas as three fifths of the offensive line, which makes it worth it. And I think we can win some games if we bring those two in. So. Well, thanks for your creativity. We appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Have a That's, good day. Uh, you know, Iquanu, uh, just from some of the reports that I read about the, dra- the draft and the combine, things like that, you know, um, we obviously, obviously know he's a, he's a road grader. The guy can block you and block you into next week. Oh, he um, absolutely can. And, uh, you know, but I still think that there's a little bit, the jury's out a little bit on his pass pro. Um, which I think that some team is going to obviously, you know, say, hey, we're, you can get better at this. Um, but some teams, you know, he could drop, Paul. He could drop, and, you know, I'm, certainly if he's there, the Giants at five could, could have a chance to get him, which would be amazing, you know. There's so. no doubt in my mind. You know how we <clears throat> felt last year about Pitts. We both no, like, felt like yeah. he would be the guy. He would be the dream pick for the Giants. Equando's yeah, yeah. my dream pick for the Giants this year. Sure, I'm not. I'm not moving off of that. He, he's my guy. He's mean. He's nasty. He's powerful. He's mm-hmm. a mauler. Uh, I don't need you to be technically sound in pass protection if you're going to beat the living hell out of the guy in front. Of you. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, and I don't. And, and yeah, and he's a big dude. Uh, and by the way, uh, Neil, he could drop too. You never know. See, I think that the wild card here is this. Just and I scour for these these mocks because for two reasons. Number one, I don't believe them. Just to, first and foremost, the reason <laughs> I like to see them is because it helps me study the players and just and to see kind of what's going on in the landscape of the mock draftville and how things are moving. Um, and some of them that I've seen where there's going to make a difference is that if any of these teams are going to go up and get quarterbacks. That is where there's going to be some there's going to be some guys that drop, and with the Giants being at five, that's a good place to hang out and have a beer 
and just sit there and enjoy yourself because <laughs> something is going to drop to you. I got too much agita to do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay? I got too much agita to just sit there and have a beer. Yeah. Well, I I'm going to be bonkers the entire course, draft. Trust but me. I know. I know. I understand. I know you. And so – uh, for those patient people that could sit there and have a beer and wait for yes. things to happen, uh, it would be it's going to happen. So, but again, I think the wild card is the quarterbacks, and of course, you know that this happens every year. Somebody gets somebody gets hot. It's like that dog that's on that that scent on that trail, right? I mean, he cannot stop mm-hmm. wagging his tail, and he's going to go get him. Um, I don't see any way though a QB is in the top five, Jeff. Well, I mean, you know even what? if you're going to reach as really, well, really no, look far. at Detroit. Look at Detroit. Detroit might be the wild card here that goes and gets a quarterback. It might be Malik. At okay. two? I'm telling you, this is one of the couple of the drafts I've seen. Yeah. Really? Well, that again, like I said, that this doesn't. It may not make sense, but if it happens, then that's how guys drop. That and would be great. It, that would that, be great. But my point is that it only happens. It's only going to happen. Nobody's going to go up and get a cornerback. No one's going to trade up to get a receiver. It's only going to happen for a quarterback. And I know that as as non sexy as any of these guys are this year, there's still teams that fall in love with people and they do stupid things. <laughs> and so, if somebody else does something stupid, then Something could drop down to the Giants where we could be pretty happy at number five getting our pick of maybe Aquanu, maybe Neal, you know, maybe one of the defensive linemen just so happened to drop down in there and Thibodeau is still there. Who knows? That's all just right. a philosophy. All right. Since we started a little bit late, all right, we've got a little bit of time here to kind of fill out the full hour. We're going to try to get two more calls in, Okay. Scott from Mexico, you're next on the show. If we can squeeze one more person in, we will do so. Hello, Scott. Hi, hi guys. How are you doing today? Very good. I'm a little dismayed uh, for two reasons. I know the draft is vast. There's a lot of talent there. But the whole point of the Giants' line and are they obligated to take two offensive linemen, no matter where the players fall, uh, because free agency is not what you count on if you're trying to fix an offensive line. You need probably four guys uh, on that line. As you know, I'm a Tyler Lindebaum guy, and I was looking at his stats, and uh, on 923 snaps, he gave up two sacks. Uh, and six quarterback hits, and that's pretty amazing. Uh, I know he's a little undersized, has a little bit smaller on, but if I, I watched him in three games, including the Wisconsin game, and he was just stellar. Uh, there's nobody I could compare him to. So he would be my seventh pick if he if, uh, rolls around to the seventh pick and he's available. But for the fifth-round pick, say Aquano and uh, Neil are both gone, do they take somebody like Penning or Kenyon Green or one of those guys because they really need to get uh, that line fixed? And they're not going to do it. And they have to do it for two reasons, for the, for, the, for the reason that they have to find out if Daniel Jones is a good quarterback and also for Saquon Barkley because he's not really an inside runner. He's a guy who basically breaks to the outside and hopefully goes scores a touchdown. That's the kind of runner he is. He's not an inside runner, so you really need to get a zone scheme type of offensive line for, for the Giants to really have any chance of scoring points uh, in the rushing game. And just getting back to Linda Bound for a second, uh, I don't know if you're aware, when they started, they were uh, Iowa was, giving up 100, was rushing for 131 yards. With him in the lineup, they now went up to 171 yards rushing. So he's definitely – I'm not going to mention him again because uh, I think Je- you already know, uh, Jeff, that he's uh, sort of my favorite lineman mm-hmm. right now. Unfortunately, he's not going to – he's not going to – I mean, he's – I don't think he's going to be – he's not going to get picked in the top ten, though, you know? Right. Yeah, but, but, but that's my first question. Yeah. My last question, so you can take the other caller, is there's somebody that nobody's talking about, uh, and he's, he's a special teams guy, a guy by the name of Matt Ariza. Oh, the punter, I, yeah. Right. I saw him kick. He actually graduated from the same school my son did in high school, Rancho Bernardo High School in San Diego. 
and I think he played for San Diego State. I saw him kick the ball, uh, and I'm not talking about line drive kicks. I saw him kick the ball from the 20-yard line to the opposing 10-yard line. And in high school, in practice, he made a 70-yard field goal, so he does both. Yeah. I've never seen a kicker like this. So I wanted to ask the question, uh, when you have a weapon like that, can he possibly go in the first round? Uh, so I basically have the two questions. Do the Giants commit to the offensive line no matter what in order to determine how Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley are going to function? And secondarily, where do you see Matt Ariza uh, being drafted uh, with, with the ability he has, which I've never seen from any punter? So I'll take the questions off the archive. Thanks, Thanks. Scott. Jeff, I'll leave you the kicker question because I think we both agree about the other one. Mm -hmm. And that is uh, the Giants, I think it just makes perfect sense given the fact that their cap is really tight. And even if they go out and buy one free agent offensive lineman of starting caliber, Mm -hmm. they're still going to need to get at least two starters on the offensive line out of this draft. So that says to me, in the first three rounds where you have five picks, you better get at least two. Mm-hmm. And I don't care what numbers they're going to be. You've got to get at least two. I would think one of them has to come at five or seven, and then the, the other one's going to have to come in the second or third rounds. Well, I, I, th- I agree. I agree. Um, and I just don't know where the mindset is as far as – now remember, this all predicates itself on your staff – and your scouting department on where you rank all of these players, okay? That and also there's a need factor in here. But I guess my point is is that if you feel like you are going to try to find two starters in this draft at offensive lineman, are you comfortable with one of them being in the third and one of them being in the second? If you decide to go defense in the first, you know that's something I, you and I can't answer. No, but but. I will tell you this, if they do that, they got to be pretty confident that those guys are going to be your starters and, you know, that's they're going to rely on their scouting department there. Uh, Scotty, I will say this, Jeff, my suspicion is that Neil or Urquano are absolute positively guaranteed head and shoulders above the rest of the offensive linemen. But the, now they're not there. And, now they're not and that, there. And that, and that's the thing. If mm-hmm. if those two are gone, if right. you now want to right. have that debate yeah. about where the next offensive linemen fall and right. are they all on a similar shelf mm-hmm. in a cluster, well, now that goes to your thought about taking them in the second and third rounds. Mm-hmm. But at five or seven, I think the only offensive linemen that you could even think about are Neil Aquanu and maybe, maybe Cross. I've yeah. I've kind of kind of warm to a couple about a few weeks ago yeah, i started rooming i started warming across at seven i don't think there's another offensive lineman that i'm touching in the top seven picks yeah well cross is definitely going to be in the first round it's just a matter of where but here's the thing if those guys are both gone um then again it's like okay so are we gonna i, I and scott used the word obligated are the giants obligated to take two offensive linemen in that first two picks. No, they're not obligated. I mean, it, it's it's just going to all a matter of who's there. Um, if both of those guys that we mentioned are not there, they're not obligated to take the next best lineman, offensive lineman, just because they have to. i got to believe that you can get an impact edge rusher out of this class at that five and five and seven pick and be okay. Because, by the way, you got some young talent on the team now at that position. You're, you are you're a large... Uh, um, Ojolari, you're excited about, okay? Um, you've got Leonard Williams in there who can obviously get some sacks for you, but I, I just don't know how you could go wrong with picking one of these, these defensive edge guys. I mean, mm-hmm. it, if, you, if in fact, and again, I just wish we could, we always say this, Paul, you know we do, <laughs> we just be a fly on the wall somewhere one day. Just let us in. We'll fly in. You won't even see us. We'll be up in the corner there. We won't even buzz. We'll just sit there and watch and listen. Well, and then- let, let, let's just throw one guy out there, and we've got to go in a minute here, Jeff. The one guy who, to me, holds the most intrigue of everybody at that position, Ellerson Smith. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's does, guy- does this staff yeah. think that Ellerson Smith, after you know playing for a month in limited snaps at the end of his rookie season, do they think he can be a dominant pass rusher? 
Well, here's and, the thing. And, and, and can he do it this year? Because he could be a huge X factor. Here's the thing. Joe Shane sat right next to, to uh, Bean, right? Brandon Bean. So they've already done all of their homework on these guys that the Giants drafted last year. So, you know, he's going to bring his notebook with him. He understands all the analysis that went into these players that were drafted last year. And Ellerson Smith, they're going to have a grade on him um, from, from when they were when, last year. So, you know, maybe they, or maybe they don't like him. Who knows? But, again, you know, new team, new eyes, new guys. That's, that's you know, so yep. I, don't, I don't know what kind of credence they put in him, but maybe they're high on him. Paul, maybe they really had a great grade on him up in Buffalo, and they just didn't get a chance to get him. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. That's hey, why I said. Look, I mean, we might be able to try to. We might. We'll get fired for it, but maybe we try to go up there and steal that notebook. I don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll leave that to you, Jeff. No, I don't mean to do that. No. <laughs> uh, we do have Bruce from Albany who did call in. I know Scott was a little long. But, but, Bruce, you did call in. We put you on hold. So I'm going to give you a chance here. to Give you give us about 90 seconds. Go ahead, Hi, Bruce. Please. Okay, guys. Uh, I would like to remind you that you don't have to kill somebody when you block them. I see all these pancake blocks on these films. Don't discount Charles Cross. Mm-hmm. I saw him at the combine. The guy is a cat. He has, yeah. he has much quicker feet than the other two guys. And he's, he's 307 pounds. So... Uh, in the long run, he might stay healthier, and he can move his weight much quicker. These other guys, they look like battleships when they did the agility <laughs> drill. Cross, Cross looks like a safety. And, and, I mean, the guy's got a lot of experience, and I wouldn't discount him. And I wouldn't I, I'm not discounting him. I think I, I, I was a little quick when I misspoke before. I think, if, you know, if you gave me a few seconds there, I did say Cross is the other guy to me who I, I've warmed to. Mm-hmm. as a potential at seven. But but beyond those three guys, and the difference between Cross and the other two guys, those two guys are apples and Cross is an orange. You know, they're different styles, different types. But that doesn't mean he can't be tremendously effective, especially he's coming from that air raid offense, which means he is an outstanding pass protector. But he's going to need to get stronger and more forceful in order to be able to do some drive blocking and to be able to get to the second level. But his athletic skills are outstanding as a tackle. Mm-hmm. So I'm with you. I yeah. think Cross is a very legit top 10 guy. I'm too. I, I'm there. Like I said, he's a top 10 guy. I, I, I figure he's going to be there in the top 10. He's young and he's strong and he's going to get bigger and stronger. And I'm not going to give away the world to get one of the other two guys. If you want to trade down at seven... There's a ton of other guys that you can get. You might be able to trade down to seven and get uh, like that uh, that uh, guard from Boston College is uh, Zion William Johnson. No, I missed that Williamson. That's, yeah. a, that's the best. Zion player. Johnson. He can play <laughs> yeah. center. Yeah, and he's a he's a stud. So uh, and then you might be able to trade down and uh, get the center from Iowa. You never know. But I I wouldn't trade away that five pick, and I would be very happy with uh, Charles Cross. and You can trade down your seven and, and pick up a couple more guys. If you don't want to draft an offensive lineman, then draft a defensive lineman. I don't care about edge rushers as much. I, I saw some monster uh, defensive tackles in this uh, draft, and uh, I'd be very happy with them. I think we've got some good pass rushers on this team. Sure. Hey, Jordan, Jordan, Davis. To call. Jordan Davis will be available there. I'm telling you. That did, you got a big dude? That's a... <laughs> That's a guy that ran a four seven eight forty yard dash at three hundred and forty <laughs> pounds. So as much as I was enamored by uh, the tight end last year, I am I I am Pitts was my guy last year. I am enamored, even though I I know the Giants aren't going to get this guy because he's uh, you know they have to, to unless they trade down into like the teens, the high teens, he might be available. But um, he's not a top ten guy. But he's just the guy's in. He, <laughs> I mean, ten foot three broad jump. I mean, how do you I get know. up? How three hundred and forty pounds That's lifting insane. your body up and jumping ten feet three inches in a broad jump? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you've got I, a, what? Is, what do you got? Like, what do you got? Like engines on the back of your arms? And just I, <laughs> I, I leave you with this thought, just very, very briefly. If you want a junkyard dog, okay. Mm-hmm. Aside from aside from Equanu, if you want a junkyard dog. The junkyard dogs who, who, who are really, really, you know, high considerations 
Uh, I talked about it yesterday on the show. Kenyon Green, but I think he's more of a guard than a tackle. Tyler Smith, uh, remember, Green out of Tul- uh, Texas A&M. Tyler Smith out of Tulsa, okay? He's another guy, total junkyard dog. Uh, and some people think he'll be a guard instead of a tackle. And then, obviously, everybody knows about Trevor Penning. I was just going to say. Out yeah. of Northern yeah. Iowa. Yeah. He's another junkyard dog. Those guys are steel cage pit bulls, mm-hmm. junkyard dogs, who are just going to really get after you. Now, if you wanted someone who's tremendously athletic, you could go a round or two down and get Max Mitchell, the offensive tackle out of Louisiana. There's a guy who's 6'6", 300 pounds, and he's more along the athletic kind of guy. And, and so, it, you know, it depends on the flavor you want. Real quickly before we go, we, we, we didn't talk about this punter, this kid from uh, Sandy. Uh, I think it's Are Sandy. We, Aziza, Aziza, right? Yeah. If, I, I was following this guy all of last season uh, because somebody, I think it might have been Schmelk, actually sent me uh, a YouTube video of this guy kicking just bombs, 60 yarders left and right. And um, he has got an amazing leg. And, by the way, he kicks field goals, and he also kicks off. So he will – my guess is he will be a third-round draft pick by somebody this year. That's, that's where I think I'll, I see him going. All right. Very All right. good. Jeff, appreciate it. Been a great, uh, right, great hour. Yeah, a lot thank of fun. you. Yep. Sorry we started on a little bit late, a little technical difficulties today. But, hey, we got it in. Folks, you can always find uh, the archive of uh, this program and everything else on the Giants Podcast Network through your Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. For Jeff Fiegels, I'm Paul Dottino. We'll see you again next time.